correctly, uh, there was at least seven, if not more, verses that talk about righteousness. And then in Proverbs chapter 28, there are uh, at least seven verses that also talk about riches. And I find it kind of uh, funny and uh, interesting at the same time that uh, this chapter would deal so much with righteousness and then on top of that would deal with riches. And many times uh, righteousness and personal righteousness can be destroyed uh, by riches or the love of money. And that's certainly talked about in the Bible. I read this and, and I thought it was very appropriate for this chapter. It says, The devil was on the prowl uh, one day to get the Christian. And when he saw the Christian, he shot one of his fiery darts and it struck the Christian right in his chest. And the Christian had on the breastplate of righteousness so he wasn't harmed. The devil shot at the Christian's head, but that was protected by the helmet of salvation. And the devil figured everyone has an Achilles heel, so he shot at the Christian's feet that were shod with the gospel of peace, so no harm was done. And the Christian smirked and turned around to walk away. The devil fired an arrow into the Christian's wallet and killed him. A lot of truth to that. Uh, when you think about that, and, that, and as we go through these verses, you'll, you'll find even more truth in that as we look at these uh, verses. Before we get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer, uh, and then we'll get into the message tonight. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you for the good day, the beautiful day we've had, Father, and uh, even a, a touch of summer here in uh, October. God, I pray that you would bless the service tonight. I pray that you would bless uh, each and every person. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to hearts, help us, strengthen us, encourage us. Father, may we keep our eyes and focus on you tonight and on everything that you do in our lives, Father. And not just tonight, but uh, even as we leave here, Father, may we, may we be sure that our focus is turned on you, Father. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. It's a, I want to say this right up front before we even get into our text as well. Gold is not sinful. It's not wrong to have, have finances and have wealth. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy or having that money as long as that money does not have you. And that's where the problem often comes in is when that money gets a hold of us. Uh, in 1 Timothy 6.10, the Bible says this. It's a verse we know. It says, For the love of money is the root of... Of all evil. Uh, it not, does not say that money is the root of all evil, but rather the love of money is the root of all evil. Look with me in our first verse tonight, Proverbs chapter number 28 and verse number 8. The Bible says this, Proverbs 28 and verse 8, He that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance, he shall gather it from him that will pity the poor, or for him that will pity the poor. Excuse me. Let me read that again. He that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. And uh, as we look at this verse, uh, there's a couple things I think that's interesting. And the very first part of it, he starts out by this, saying this. He said uh, in verse 8, He that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance. 
And so we find an increase. And uh, as we think about these verses, actually, before I get into this verse, uh, I want to say this, that there's a lot of deceit to riches. In other words, it deceives us in many ways and makes us think things that are not necessarily true. And we need to be careful and alert uh, to those things and understand that this is one of those things that we can see here. He that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance. In other words, uh, it's the deceit of shortcuts. In other words, somebody that would say, uh, you know what, I can take all the shortcuts. I can do unjust gain. And usury, what do those two things mean? Well, they're trying to cut corners and they're trying to do anything that they can to increase their own wealth. And we'll look at those two things. The first one that, we, that comes up there is usury. Um, now, I looked up usury because I thought, well, I know what it means. Uh, it means that when you lend out money, um, here's what you need to do, actually. Let me, let me give you this illustration. So uh, we don't have probably a lot of people that are, are going to borrow money, but uh, I was looking at this the other day, and, uh, and, and I was talking to somebody about it. I was teaching one of my kids about, about debt, really. And, uh, and I said this. I said, when, when you look at how much the item costs, and then you look at the payments, and then you look at how many months and you multiply the payment by the month, you come up with a number that's bigger than what the item actually costs if you were to pay up front for that item. And that is, and when you subtract those two numbers, that's the interest, that's the usury that they are charging you for those things. Now, I want to say this because the Bible talks about usury. Matter of fact, it, uh, it even encourages it. Uh, and the Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, it actually uses the word usury two times, Matthew 25 and Luke 19, and they're uh, pretty much the same idea in the same passage. It says there in Matthew 25 and verse 26, His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should receive mine own with usury. You remember the parable that Jesus gave when he gave uh, one man uh, ten talents and another man five talents and another man one talent. And the guy with ten talents, he gained himself another ten talents. And when his Lord came, he gave him all of them. And the, the fellow that had five, he had gained another five. But the guy who had one talent, the Bible says that he went and he hid it in the ground. And, uh, and when his Lord came, uh, he went and dug it back up and he goes, here you go. I have your talent. There it is. And he, he kind of chastises him and says, listen, uh, the very least you could have done was gone to the bank and put it in the bank and at least got a little bit of interest so that you could have gave me my talent and whatever the change would have been uh, so that so he was encouraging the use of usury in that in that instance uh, in order to gain more money. So as we look at this in Proverbs 28 and verse number eight, the Bible says, he that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance. So what does this word usury mean? It means just what I described, that's interest. Uh, but the idea, when I looked it up as well, it can also mean illegal interest, a premium or compensation paid or stipulated to be paid for the use of money borrowed or retained beyond the rate of interest established by law. 
In other words, law would set forth a, a, a correct amount that could be paid in interest. And it's appropriate to loan money with interest uh, and, and, and collect interest on that up to a certain amount. But if you go over that and you're charging more than that, then that would be uh, the use of usury in a negative connotation. And we know that this is a negative connotation for two reasons, uh, or for at least one reason. It's coupled here in verse number 8 with unjust gain. And so the idea is that this person would be lending out money, but not for the normal rate of usury, not for the normal rate of interest, but for an exorbitant amount. Kind of like credit cards, all right? Uh, if you ever looked at the interest rate of credit cards, it is skyrocket high uh, compared to a mortgage interest rate. And, uh, and so there's a lot of reasons for that, but I'm just using that as an illustration to understand that that, that is the idea behind this. And so the idea then would be to cut corners and try to gouge and take more than what you're supposed to take for lending out money. And so he goes on in this verse and he says, he that by usury and then unjust gain. What is unjust gain? Well, unjust means this, not just. What, isn't that deep? Boy, that was real simple, huh? There, you're not supposed to use the word in the definition. That's how I was always raised and taught. But uh, it goes on and it says, acting contrary to the standard of right established by the divine law, that would be the word of God. And so unjust gain uh, would be any form of gain that is not right in God's sight. Let me tell you this, that some things that are legal in the United States may not be good according to God's law and should not be engaged in for financial gain. You understand what I'm saying? It may be legal. Uh, in the United States of America uh, to sell alcohol. But according to God's word, it's not wise. As a matter of fact, the Bible says uh, it's a bad thing to do that. Uh, it might be legal in some states to do some things, but that does not make it right by God's standard. And so we need to understand uh, that would be unjust gain. Uh, and you say, well, man, you can make a lot of money about it. Yeah, that's exactly what he's talking about. Uh, you can cut corners. There's a lot of ways that you can cut corners. But if it goes against God's law and if it goes against what God stands for, then it does not make it right. Some of the unjust gain that I wrote down, these aren't necessarily legal, uh, but, uh, but they happen regularly. And that's scams. You know, scams take place all the time. Uh, people are, uh, we, we get mail at the church and... Uh, Every so often we'll get mail for some kind of web bill. And, uh, and I happen to be a web guy. I'm, I'm a I've run web pages for years. So I open it up and I'm like, I can't believe the amount of scams we get in the mail that says you need to pay this. I'm like, pitch it. We're not paying that. It's not a bill. It doesn't have anything to do with our web page. It doesn't have anything to do with us. It's a scam that they just mail out to businesses. And you'd be surprised how many businesses probably just write a check and think, oh, it has to do with the web page and send it in. And it's a scam. They're cutting corners. They're stealing from people. And uh, it's a scam that they're running. And uh, not just scams, uh, but, but overpricing, selling something for way more than it's actually worth. Embezzlement. Uh, or con mans. Uh, many times there's, there's many con 
con men who uh, run a, a scam of some sort and, and try and take things. Uh, I thought of this one, uh, begging. Uh, have you ever seen the people, uh, I, there was, there's been several documentaries on people that are beggars on the side of the highway and, and many times, uh, you know, when they're all done begging, they'll get up and walk and, and you never give a thought to where they go. And one time they followed the guy and he went and got in his nice car and he drove to his house and, uh, and he lived in a house and he drove a nice car and he'd just go park on the side of the road at the same place and he kind of looked shabby and he would collect money and that, that was his job. And, uh, and so that's unjust gain. I mean, you're playing on people's emotions, making them think that you're poor and you're not really poor. Uh, so that's another one, you know, uh, con man, extortion, uh, fraud, oppression, blackmail, ripoff, gambling. Uh, those are those are things. Uh, and gambling, by the way, is legal in the states, but I would count it as unjust gain. Uh, why? Because it is a get-rich-quick scheme. Uh, it's something uh, where, where, listen, you throw a lot of money away. If you, if you would, instead of buying a lotto ticket, if you'd put every stitch of that money in savings, you'd be far better off. My uncle worked in the, in the, uh, the lottery, one of the lottery divisions, and, and he said, man, I, I would never in my life play the lottery. And he worked in it. He's, why, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Because he's like, you, you're throwing your money away. Your chances of winning that are so slim. And, uh, and listen, in a money-hungry world, which is where we live, a money-hungry world where people desire to have money and desire to have wealth, uh, where getting rich is considered the most important thing, there are plenty of ways that people will try to get unjust gain. The Bible says here in the second part of that verse, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. We have the deceit of shortcuts. In other words, he thinks I'm cutting all these corners and he thinks I'm getting all this wealth. But in the end, uh, listen, you know what's going to end up? He's going to end up losing it. And, uh, and somehow it's going to go to people who actually can use it and actually can uh, ha have a use for that money. And it's funny how the Lord works those things out, but many times they'll try and cut all the corners and, uh, and they, won't, they won't end up using the money uh, because they'll lose it in some other form or fashion. And so we need to be careful because the deceit of shortcuts. And listen, it's a deceit. It's a deception that can uh, attack any person. I think, man, you can... You can really make a lot of money this way. Uh, you, can, you can cut corners and really do better this way. And I'm just saying you need to be careful because there's a lot of deceit about cutting corners. Look with me at verse number 11. The Bible gives a warning there in verse number 8 about the deceit of shortcuts. Look with me at verse number 11. The Bible says, The rich man is wise in his own conceit. But the poor that hath understanding searcheth him out. Not only do we have the deceit of shortcuts, but we have the deceit of superiority. Uh, many times, uh, the, I put down here the rich mindset. Uh, many times people think, well, because they have a lot of money, that they must be wiser than other people. Uh, and listen, sometimes people will inherit a large amount of money, but that doesn't make them any wiser than anybody else. They just were an heir to somebody who uh, did have a lot of money. 
And let me say this as well while we're talking about wisdom, because wisdom does often lead or can lead to riches. Uh, People who are wise will often be able to increase their earnings or decrease their spendings. And it goes without saying that they'll gather wealth. One of the examples that we can find uh, is, is Solomon in the Bible. Uh, not only was he wise, and the Bible says that he was the wisest man. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 3. Save your spot in Proverbs as we'll be back there. 1 Kings chapter number 3. First Kings chapter number 3. And we find in 1 Kings chapter 3 is where Solomon was... Uh, the Lord comes and visits Solomon and asks him what he wants. And Solomon requests wisdom so that he can govern God's people. And look with me what God says to him in, in 1 Kings chapter number 3 and verse number 11. 1 Kings 3.11. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, that was wisdom that he asked, this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be an any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And, uh, and so we can see here in this passage, hey, God said, listen, you asked for wisdom, and so I'm going to give you wisdom, uh, but because you did it with such a, a good desire to govern my people properly because of that on top of that I'm going to give you honor and I'm going to give you riches as well and so God blessed Solomon greatly for his wisdom and uh, and oftentimes listen many times wise people will be wise with their money and they won't be foolish with what they have and so many times they will be able to increase what they do have but uh, but listen the, the the opposite of that is not true So many times wisdom will produce uh, something substantial, but something substantial, wealth, does not produce wisdom. And so the opposite opposite of that we find uh, is what it's saying here in verse number 11, Proverbs 28, back in our text. He says, the rich man is wise in his own conceit. In other words, he thinks he's wise, but he's really not. Uh, uses the word conceit there. That would be uh, somebody that is uh, arrogant or haughty or high-minded, somebody that thinks highly of themselves. And uh, not all, but many wealthy people believe themselves superior to less fortunate people. Uh, You see that often actually their money sets them on a uh, they think well my my money will set me on a pedestal and I'm above all those common normal people and they treat people like that uh, that they're better than other people social elites and uh, things of that nature uh, and so it becomes a problem with that mindset go with me to verse number 19 in our text Proverbs 28 Verse number 19, the second half of it, we'll read the whole thing for for context, but the second half of it really applies to this idea as well. 
Proverbs 28 and verse number 19. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. Uh, and we see the deceit of superiority. So let me get to the vain persons here part. What he's saying is, those vain persons, those are the people that would be wealthy. Those are the people that set themselves up. Those are the people that think, well, I'm better than everyone else. I'm wise in my own conceits because I have financial gain. And then a lot of foolish people will follow after that because, hey, they want a little bit of that money that's falling out. I mean, sometimes wealthy, vain people tend to throw money around uh, so that they can make themselves appear even more rich and better off than perhaps they ever are. And it's an area arrogant thing, but uh, then there's people that will flock to that out of vanity and say, well, I want to be like that person. They're rich and they've got all this money and look at how, uh, and, and they can, they want to siphon off a little bit of that. And they're trying to get into that social circle and that social club. Listen, uh, the Bible's clear that, that, hey, before God, we're all equal. There's no difference. God's not a respecter of person, the Bible says. And so uh, it's a deceit uh, that money causes people to think more highly of themselves. And that's what this is saying in verse number 11. The rich man is wise in his own conceit. Then it goes on, but the poor that hath understanding searcheth him out. And there's a rich mindset of thinking more highly. And then there's an understanding mindset. It does not necessarily have to be somebody who's poor but somebody who has understanding. And he's saying, listen, the, the understanding is the greater of those two things. I read this story. It's a, about a French uh, person. It says the French have a story uh, about a millionaire in his palace who spent his days counting his gold. Besides the palace, or beside the palace, was a poor cobbler who spent his days singing as he repaired people's shoes. The joyful singing irritated the rich man. One day he decided to give some gold coins to the cobbler. At first the cobbler was overjoyed and he, looked, he, looked, he took the coins and hid them. But then he would be worried and go back and check if the coins were still there. Then he would be worried in case someone had seen him and he would move his coins and hide them uh, in another place. And during all this, he ceased to sing. Then one day he realized he had ceased to sing because of the gold coins were occupying all of his mind and he was worried about where they were put and worried if somebody would take them and, and finally he got fed up with all of it and he took the, the gold coins back to the rich Frenchman. And said, take back your coins and give me my song back. And there's more wisdom, there's more understanding than, than having material possessions and having gold. Uh, listen, there's a lot more to life than just having riches. And that's the idea of don't allow riches to have you. It's not a sin to have riches, but don't allow those riches to have you. And to hold you and keep you captive so that you're uh, preoccupied about them. And uh, there's a deceit of superiority. There's a deceit of shortcuts and that people think, well, we can cut corners and, and get more wealth. And people think, well, because I have more wealth, I'm better than other people. We find those are deceits of riches. There's another one in verse number 19 where we were. 
The Bible says, He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that follow after he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. Look with me in verse number 20 as well. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. And then there's the deceit of schemes and the uh, get-rich-quick scheme and the idea of, of hey, I, I want to have some money real quick. And uh, the idea in verse number 19, as we looked at it a little bit, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. In other words, uh, he's saying, hey, I'm following the money trail. I don't want to work. Uh, I want to I network and, and, get, and climb the corporate ladder by uh, knowing this person and, and, and following this person and, and doing as little as I can and getting some money from this guy and that guy and, and they're, they're vain and they're following vain persons who think they're superior because they have money and it's all a facade that they can't, that, that, that doesn't end up well. Uh, and it's a deceit of schemes of thinking, well, I can get rich quick. Verse number 20 says that in the second part of it, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. I found this story Jack Whitaker, and he was the, uh, one of the largest um, Powerball winners uh, of a single player. He won $314 million on Christmas Day in 2002, 20 years ago. Just about 20 years ago. And it was, it was at the time the largest prize won by a single winner in the U.S. history. Whitaker was already a successful businessman, but the sudden windfall proved to be anything but a blessing to his family. Over the next decade, both his granddaughter and her boyfriend died from apparent drug overdoses. His daughter passed away. He was robbed on more than one occasion, arrested for driving under the influence, and he has been sued by a number of people and businesses, including a... a Caesar's Atlantic Casino for 1.5 million in bounced checks to cover gambling losses. Could you imagine that? Given 314 million dollars in one day, and he bounced 1.5 million worth of checks in gambling. Unbelievable. And it says the devil knows. We are often susceptible to the temptation to take shortcuts and try to get rich, but the path always leads to ruin. Be sure that there's no shortcuts to riches. Those verses prove it uh, because, listen, it goes on. It says there in verse number 19, He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. Now, you probably don't have much land to till. And I'm guessing most of you probably don't till your land. Um, the idea, obviously, is being faithful to your work. Uh, now, if you have a garden, praise the Lord, that's great. And that's, that's wonderful. But it is dealing primarily with work ethic and being a faithful worker and going to work regularly and not being afraid to work uh, because in the Bible times that was their work. Tilling the land, uh, that's how they made their living. They'd plant their crops, they'd raise their animals, they'd feed their animals, sell their animals, maybe sell their crops, and that was their largest form of income. They didn't have a lot of, uh, well, I promise you they didn't have McDonald's or Walmart or uh, tourism uh, that they worked in. They didn't have any of that. They didn't have factories. 
that would produce things. Uh, by and large, they produced food out of the ground and, uh, and raised livestock. That was their work. And the Bible's very clear. Time and time again, it tells us, hey, that we need to be faithful in our work. He says, he that tilleth his land shall have pr plenty of bread. We need to be faithful to work and not be afraid of work and not be afraid of doing work. And uh, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 8, neither did, we, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. That is not the verse that I wanted. I don't know where it is, so I guess you'll have to find it. It says this, uh, if, any man, if any man work not, neither shall he eat. Uh, and that's the idea of it. It's probably 1 Thessalonians 3.8 is probably what it is. But uh, nonetheless, it's in, the, it's in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. And he was telling the Thessalonians that, hey, listen, uh, not to be lazy. Now I understand there are some extreme circumstances. But by and large, we ought to be working. One of the people I saw in Peru, uh, I, I, I'm always amazed, really, I am, at, at people who, who work. Um, not, not, I'm not amazed that they do work, but there are some people who you think, man, they could be on disability, but they don't. They just work. And there's a fellow in Peru. He, had, uh, he really had no legs. He, he was, I don't know what happened to them. He never really said, but, uh, but he did have two hands. And, and he would uh, sit in a wheelchair on the side of the road, and he didn't beg like many people did. What he would do is he would take uh, straw, and he would wrap it around sticks, and he would make brooms. That's what he did. And he would sell those brooms on the side of the road. And he was working. And listen, that's a New Testament principle. I mean, uh, they didn't have disability in Peru. Uh, but, but I'm just saying, uh, he was busy working. And listen, I know sometimes we're not able to do everything. And I know there's things, we have limitations. Uh, but the Bible is just saying that we ought to be faithful to work. And if you're working, uh, listen, there'll be plenty of bread, the Bible says. Uh, God will make sure that he takes care of you. And so we find faithfulness to work. Look with me in verse number 20. In verse number 20, he says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. In verse number 19, he, said, he talks about work. But in verse number 20, he simply says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. And I take that to mean faithful to God. Faithful to God. So we ought to be faithful in our work, and God will certainly take care of us, but then we ought to be faithful to God. That's certainly a New Testament principle as well. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 24, No man can serve two masters, for he, for he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He says you cannot serve God and mammon. And what is mammon? Mammon is simply money. It's finances. And listen, you can serve money and make money your God and say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and cut corners and get all I can and I'm going to try all the schemes and I'm going to try and serve this money and, and do the best I can. But the Bible is very clear that you'll either serve money or you'll serve God. There's no in between. You can't serve both. It's impossible. And so you'll love God and you'll serve God or you'll love your money and you'll serve your money, but you will not do anything in between. It goes on in that same chapter in Matthew 6.33 at the very end of the verse, uh, one that, that I, we would sing as teenagers growing up. It says, but seek ye first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Go back with me to Matthew chapter number six. I want you to see this. Because Matthew chapter 6, the entire chapter, the last portion of it rather, is really dealing with, right, with, with uh, uh, wealth and, and money and finances. Back in Matthew chapter number 6, and verse, look with me at verse number 24. He says, we just read this, but he says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Look in verse number 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more body and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are not they much better than they? Are ye, excuse me, not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which, is to, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What ye shall eat, or what ye we shall what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Listen, we need to be faithful to God. We should not neglect work. He's not saying neglect work. He was giving them specifically something that they were supposed to do. But we ought to be faithful to work. But listen, we ought to be faithful to God. And faithful to God. And God will take care of us. And God will provide. And God will bless. And uh, we don't need the deceit of schemes and thinking, well, if I do this, I can get rich quick. Or if I do that, or maybe I'll play the lottery and, and I'll get rich quick. Or the deceit of shortcuts and trying to cut corners or trying to uh, gouge people or take more than what we ought to or sell things for a higher price or uh, things of that nature. We don't need the deceit of superiority and thinking that we're higher and better than we are because we have a little bit of money or a little bit of prestige. Listen, uh, all of those are deceit deceitful ideas that riches will run away with you. And they'll take you down a road that's not good. They'll lead you down a path that will leave you broken. But the Bible says in Proverbs 28 in our text, in verse 19, He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. Verse 20 says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Don't fall into the deceit of these things in your life. Listen, even as a Christian, even established, even uh, as somebody who's born again, uh, you can still be deceived by riches. 
It'll still try and draw you away. I promise you, every single day as you go throughout life and, uh, and people, maybe your coworkers or your neighbors or uh, other people around you, you know, you'll see them uh, pull up with a, a great big shiny car or a big truck or a boat uh, or, or some other toy. And you'll say, man, I sure wish I had that. Listen, you don't have his payments that he has for one thing. Then two, just be faithful to God. Be faithful to your work. Be faithful to your God. And listen, God will take care of you. God's, God blesses in so many ways, more than just financial. So many times we take the blessings of God to mean financial and that he'll give us things. Listen, many times he, I'd rather have like that French uh, poor shoe cobbler. I'd rather have my song and have a little bit of gold that I got to worry about. Did I put it here? Did I put it there? Did I, what did I do with it? And he finally just returned it. He said, you know what? I'd rather be singing and I'd rather be happy than to be tied up with the riches of this world. That's the idea that Matthew chapter 6 is giving us. Hey, that we would seek God, that we'd not be tied up and caught up with the wealth of this world. These are just a few of the deceitful things of riches that it'll try and lure us away. We need to be aware and, and cautious of those deceitful ideas that come with riches. So we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your word that warns us really of the deceitfulness of riches. And God, it will be tempted. There's many a people out there even to tempt and try and lure people away with shortcuts of trying to get rich, corners to cut and temptation on every hand. There's the temptation of superiority and thinking that they're better than other people because of wealth and because of riches. The vanity and pride that goes with that. And then God, the schemes of get rich quick and the he that hasteth to be rich will not be innocent. In other words, he'll not spare any expense to try and fill his own pockets with wealth. God, I pray that you'd help us as Christians. Help us not to serve mammon, money, here in this world. But God, help us to be faithful to our work, faithful to you. God, I pray that you would just bless each and every family, each and every person, Father, in their life. And God, that does not necessarily mean monetary value, that we would be blessed financially, though many, many of us are, are blessed financially. But God, that we'd have something that money can't buy, and that'd be joy in our hearts. And a peace that passes all understanding. And a purpose of living for you. God, help us as we're faithful. Help us to see the true blessings in life from following and obeying you. God, will thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to pray there in your seat.
right, we'll bring our invitation to a close and uh, appreciate your faithfulness to be in the Lord's house tonight. And one announcement I forgot to make on Sunday completely all day long is Sunday night after the evening service, we do plan on having a fellowship after church and uh, you don't really have to do anything, just show up, all right? And just plan on being here and uh, we'll enjoy a time of fellowship after the evening service. So uh, I forgot to announce that on Sunday, but we are planning that. So just want to let you know that. And then on Saturday, we are having the Fall Fellowship right here at church at 5 o'clock. If you have not signed up for that, please sign up at the back. There is still that sign-up sheet, and we'll certainly appreciate that. That will help us know uh, how many to plan for and things of that nature. So if you'd help us out with that. There's one other sign-up sheet, but I forgot what it was for. Um, Dinners, thank you. I knew it was another sign-up sheet uh, for the meals for Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And so if you plan on uh, coming to those, if you could sign up again, those that the cost of that is just $1, and, uh, and it's really uh, meant to be a blessing and a help to you. And so if you want to take advantage of that, go for it, and, uh, and it's there for you. So sign up for that. That way they can as well know how many to plan for. All right, I think that's all the announcements uh, that I need to make. We will see you Saturday uh, at the fellow. If you're not able to make that, we will see you Sunday morning uh, right here at church at, at 10 o'clock, Sunday school, normal time, and church at 11, and church at 6 o'clock in the evening. Our revival starting, Brother Sam Davison, and I'm looking forward to that, all right? God bless. Smile at somebody. Tell them you're glad to see them here tonight.